Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to CHSRHealthyLife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. CHSRHealthyLife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. Robert Moss, he's a 
and author of numerous books about dreaming, shamanism, and imagination. He's a novelist, poet, and independent scholar, and a creator of what's called Active Dreaming, an original synthesis of dream work and shamanism. He leads creative and shamanic adventures all over the world, and he's joining us today to talk about his new book. Robert, we're so glad to have you here on Mary and I. Delighted to be with you, Marianne, and thank you for the beautiful introduction. Good to breathe, good to think about what we're grateful for as we approach Thanksgiving. Absolutely. And having a practice, cultivating a practice, Robert, as you know, is what makes it possible for us to follow the signs and symbols, right? I mean, it is not easy to listen to this language, which I imagine is in part what, what may have inspired you to write the book. Well, it is very much about being open and available to experience. And if we're carrying around a lot of complexes and fixed agendas and plans and schedules and worries, we may not be available to what we most need to see, although sometimes the universe will be kind enough or rough enough to poke through the attitudes we are carrying to bring us awake. So I think if you want to experience synchronicity and the symbols that the world is giving you in a gentle way any day, the practice of gratitude is part of it. And that might mean doing what you just beautifully invited us to do. For me, it sometimes means, as I'm walking around, often walking my little dog around the park when I'm at home, it sometimes means for me saying thank you to the world around me, saying thank you to the animate forces of nature around me. And whether life is good or bad that day, I might express gratitude this way. I might say, I give thanks for the gifts and the challenges of this lifetime. And I find that when I speak in that vein, which, by the way, is the indigenous North American way of prayer, this is the Native American way of prayer to give thanks. That, that is how they, they pray. Oh, if, we, if, we, if we approach the world that way, I think the world, the universe, is likely to speak to us in kindlier and gentler ways and to come alive under our you know, grateful, searching eyes. Well, you say everything is speaking to us. Everything is conspiring to show us what's happening in the material world, in the spiritual realm. And the thing is, is so often we can't actually hear uh, or understand those signs and symbols. What do you mean by that, that life well, is always talking to well, us? Well, let, let me give an example. I mean, as you can hear from my voice, I come from somewhere else. Actually, I come from the dream world, but I was born in Australia. And uh, in, the, in Australia, the, the first peoples, the Aborigines, say, we live in the speaking land. And when they say that, they mean the river speaking, the mountain speaking, the crocodile speaking, the goanna lizard is speaking, etc. This became tremendously important information for me more than 25 years ago, Marianne, when I was thinking about changing my life. I'd been leaving, leading a superficially very successful fast-track life as a best-selling thriller writer and so on, but something in my soul was clawing at me to live in a different way. So I was looking for a place to live. I mean, I'd moved to this country, but I set up with the big city, New York City, and I had driven to a rural area in the upper Hudson Valley of New York, edge of traditional Mohawk Indian land. And I'm looking at a piece of land in a rundown farmhouse, and something is telling me that this is the right place to be for a while. I'm sitting under a white oak tree, which my, of the kind that my ancestors knew, and that felt like a good place. But I'm thinking, Robert, if you're going to move here where you know nobody, there's going to be a sign. The world has to speak to you. And at that moment, Marianne, a red-tailed hawk comes circling overhead, dropping lower and lower, squalling at me in a language that I feel I ought to understand, but I didn't speak hawk at the time. And she drops a feather between my legs. 
the, talk about how the world speaks to you. You know, sometimes I call synchronicity a, a secret handshake from the universe. Well, this wasn't particularly secret. This is rather unsecret wing brush from a bird that gave me a message. So I bought the I bought the farm, and not only because of the bird, but that was the clincher. And that's an example of how something in the natural world around you can reach to you, and of how it's alive. And how fortunate you are sometimes when you can receive the message. All right. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the synchronicity in terms of its origin. From what I understand, Carl Jung first tried to explain uh, synchronicity. He talks yes. about it in terms of um, having no causal relationship, but there may feel like there's meaning. And then later, uh, yes. he changed his mind. Yes. Well, Jung, of course, was a, was a giant of our understanding. He was a classical scholar as well as a psychologist, a scientist, a physician, and all else. He, he gave us a lot of words. He gave us words like introvert and extrovert. He, he contributed to our language of understanding psychology and the soul enormously. Synchronicity is not his best coinage, but it's it stuck because it makes a phenomenon we had difficulty talking about sound, scientific, and reasonable. Uh, it, it's the word that he coined to substitute for the word coincidence, which we have such a hard time talking about. I mean, we get tongue-tied. We say it wasn't coincidence, meaning that we know something important was going on, but in a sense it was coincidence in the sense that you don't see any external push-pull, you don't see an external causation, uh, but you, you feel that something is up. Anyway, so he gave us the word synchronicity, and he said in the subtitle of his famous essay on the phenomenon that it is an a-causal connecting principle. Well, Jung himself never, I think, really believed that there is no kind of causation involved. I think he always believed that in important episodes of synchronicity, there, there might be a hidden hand, a hidden hand involving those forces of the deeper reality that he called archetypes, because living in Zurich, the city of bankers and cuckoo clocks, he didn't find it comfortable to talk about spirits or gods, although he believed and had experiences, many of them, of both spirits and gods, but he gave us a vocabulary that again sounded respectable and reasonable, etc. I think that Jung, in his life, never had any doubt that in, in interesting cases of synchronicity, there is something at play beyond the walls of our ordinary understandings. Uh, forces of the deeper world may be engaged. That powers, if you like, of the deeper reality are pushing or poking or tickling through the veils of our ordinary understanding to bring us awake. I think this is always his personal understanding and what he watched for. In his efforts to explain this, uh, he, he, he stumbled. His essay on synchronicity is actually one of his weaker texts. I mean, he was valiant and brave in trying to explain the phenomenon, but I think at the end of the analysis, we learn more from Jung's practice of observing synchronicity and learning from it than we do from his theory. He lived this way every day. I mean, he's consulting with a client uh, by the lake, by Lake Zurich, for example, and he's watching the patterns of wind and water on the lake. He's watching what is going on around him. And in a famous episode, when he's really stuck in his handling of a client who, who, who really won't budge from, from a fixed position, her complexes, as they used to call them, the client has been telling him a dream of an Egyptian scarab and how important this is to her. And at that moment, Jung, watching what's going on through his window, sees a golden green beetle, a rose chafer beetle, the closest thing to an Egyptian scarab you would ever find in Europe. He catches it in his hands. He carries it to his patient, and he says, here is your scarab. And this moment transformed the therapy. At that moment, the therapy started working. So he literally held synchronicity in his hand and offered it to his client. This is one of many, many, many examples of how this great man, who gave us the term synchronicity, offered 
inspired on a daily basis. Mm. Oh, beautiful story. And uh, there's a fellow called Arthur Kessler, I think. I don't know, somewhere in the 70s, I think he wrote a book about um, trying to flesh out Jung's ideas about synchronicity. Do you know about that? Yeah, Kessler was a wonderful, another wonderful searching mind. I mean, a great contributor to our understanding of many things. And he wrote a couple of books. About coincidence, he didn't yet really call it synchronicity. He he called he wrote a little book called The Roots of Coincidence, and he wrote another one. And one of one of the observations he made in, in describing these things was well, one of the things in play are the operations of what Kirstler called the library angel. Uh, any bookish person knows this well. A book appears or disappears, text appears or disappears, in a way that feels personal. The book that you're looking for falls off the shelf in the bookshop or in your own library. A book that a book. Sometimes you feel a book or a text is being hidden from you, and I, I have this experience many times. So that one of the great things that Kirsten gave us in his efforts to explain coincidence, meaningful coincidence, was watch out for the library angel. I would say watch out for the shelf elf. <laughs> the, 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 these are games that I suggest in the book. Right. Actually, watch out for the play of the shelf elf who can hide as well as reveal materials of yes. this kind. And we are going to play some games this hour. If you're just joining us on Mary Ann Live, you are in the right place. Robert Moss is joining us today talking about his new book, Sidewalk Oracles, playing with fine symbols and synchronicity in ordinary life. In ordinary life. Um, Robert, I was thinking uh, when you were talking about um, Kersler, you call him, that's how you pronounce his last name, um, in books flying off the shelf or just things coming to you. Um, I was thinking about your characterization of, of the invisible realm, and you call this making real magic, something like that, bringing the gifts from the other world into this world. This, this is a context for us to understand, yes? Yes, I mean, real magic is, in my definition anyway, the art of bringing gifts from one world into this world. And, you know, as, as somebody who practices and teaches dreaming, I'm mean, talking about the old-fashioned way of dreaming, dreaming has traveled to other realities. I'm very aware that when we go dreaming, we get out there, we go beyond the body and the brain, whatever people may understand is going on. This is what our ancestors and all indigenous traditions grasp about dreaming. We get out there, we go traveling. Sometimes we travel to dimensions where the dead are alive, sometimes we travel to places of healing and initiation in another realm. Now, through synchronicity, it's as if the forces of the deeper reality come through to us. So this is magic happening both ways. When you both ways, when you go dreaming and bring back gifts, when you bring back guidance and energy for life from your dreams, you're doing real magic. I teach people a way of talking about their dreams and telling their stories to each other that enables us to give each other helpful feedback and be guided towards action in any day. That's real magic, bringing gifts from the dream world through. Through synchronicity, the gifts of the deeper reality come through to us. And as I say, often it feels personal. You you know this in your you know this in your senses, you know it in your gut, you know it in your instincts, you know it through shivers, you know when coincidence matters because you feel that you're being given a secret pat on the shoulder or a wink or being pushed back. And as I say, when this happens, it's very difficult for us in our feelings to ignore the possibility that there is an animate universe at play, that there are other forces at play. So I'm a great believer that we need to look for what is the logic behind the apparently random weave of coincidence. Yes, because we so often do ignore these nudges, these winks, these magical happenings, these feelings that 
um, we really can't ignore, but we don't know how to interpret. And that's what your book is trying to help us all do, to understand uh, synchronicity in a new light, to bring some logic to us. Um, we're going to be playing some games this hour here on Marian Live with Robert Moss, how to turn these um, synchronicities into real-life, practical reality. We also have some listener questions. We're going to get to those this hour. Uh, Robert, let's talk a little bit about um, the way that we make uh, real magic in terms of, uh, for example, a deja vu. Uh, what is that? How is that different from a dream? How is that similar or different to uh Oh, deja vu is one of those phenomena that produces real shivers. I haven't met anybody who's never experienced it. You know, you turn the corner and you know the scene. You meet the stranger and you know her and you get those shivers. Deja vu from the French means already seen. I think that often it, it would be better described as deja vu, which would mean already dreamed. You, you, you dream something before you ran into it. You may have forgotten the dream, but when something starts playing out around you that you know, it might be because you were there in a dream. My guess whenever I experience it, there's an often experience of going to lead my workshops, for example, I look around the room and I know half a dozen people there have never been physically with me before. Well, I'm aware that I'm teaching in my dreams and I may have lost the details, but I think, okay, I've now caught up with the dream. Now, other things might be going on in the experience of deja vu. Some people suspect that maybe there's a past life memory. Could be. Uh, some people suspect that maybe uh, there's an experience of coming, coming up against a parallel universe, parallel event track. I mean, this is now becoming a common view in science that we're living right now in many interactive worlds. That's the phrase that's come into vogue amongst physicists, that while you and I are talking, there's another world in which we're not having this conversation, and there's another world in which you don't have a radio show, another world in which I'm not a dream teacher, and on and on and on. Well, we won't give ourselves a headache going on with that kind of listening, but deja vu could, could be sometimes the experience of bumping up against a situation you've been in before in a parallel world where you're a little bit further ahead of where you are now. Mm. I mean, it's fun to think about this. This makes it fun. This doesn't give you so much of a headache. It becomes a fun way of approaching on a daily experiential level what scientists hypothesize about. So you just ask yourself the question, wait a minute, do I know this situation because I was here in a dream? Do I know it because I was here in a parallel world where I'm slightly ahead of where I am now? Do I know it because some past, some past uh, personality connected with me was here first? Interesting questions to explore. So, so paying attention to deja vu is very much one of the games that I recommend in Sidewalk Oracles. Oh, absolutely. And so I'm wondering why more people do you think um, – than not avoid trying to decipher this what seems like still an obscure kind of language or path. I don't know that they really do. I mean, they, they, they may have found it difficult to talk about it, just as many people remember dreams that find it difficult to share them because they're afraid they're going to be ridiculed and they don't have a way to talk about it, or they're afraid that someone's going to lay down the law to them and tell them what their dreams and their lives mean. We, we, we have not had a very satisfactory way of talking about these things. One of, the way, one of the things that I contribute is a way of discussing these things, sharing things with each other in which we get some helpful feedback and guided towards action, and there's a game 
game about that in Sidewalk Oracles called the Lightning Game. It's a way which makes it easier to tell your story, maybe your story of synchronicity, to someone else. And then you're going to get some feedback on what it means. You may be confused about what it means, but someone else might have a perspective for you if they can learn to talk about it the right way. I mean, many people would agree that our lives, in our lives, we need more sources and resources than we sometimes make available to us when we stick to the, you know, what seems to be on the table in an orderly, everyday fashion. But the funny thing is that these sources and resources are actually available to us any day and any night through our dreams and through the play of symbolic pop-ups in the world around us. So my approach makes it easy for people to tune into these things. How do you begin? You start by being open. Then you can play some of the simple everyday games we're going to discuss. Yeah, some of my clients, thank you for that. Um, some of my clients will say, you know, I had a dream, but it was just a dream, or I had an imaginal experience. Trust my thinking. I don't trust my mind. I want to get back more with Robert Moss about how to tap in, how to listen, how to honor, and begin to trust the signs, symbols, and synchronicity in your everyday, ordinary life. Right here on Marian Love. Don't touch that dial. Back in just a minute with Robert Moss. Everybody. I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Reynolds. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. Honey, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce? Yet, we spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, the Great Relationships Begin Within Self-Inquiry Divination Deck, because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Lide and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. Hi, I'm Katie Couric. I've interviewed world leaders, CEOs, and celebrities, but my most important role has been as a mother. I've worked hard to encourage my two girls to believe in themselves. Girls with high self-esteem are better prepared to navigate life's challenges. So join me as we empower the next generation. This message was brought to you by the Alliance for Women in Media and made possible through the support of Dove and the Dove Self-Esteem Fund, working together to help girls reach their full potential. To learn more, go to Dove.com. Okay, so you have a couple of days off and you're planning to get away from stress. You may be planning to go across the world or even taking a staycation around town. Well, Hotels.com can get you a room in over 158,000 hotels, 60 countries for 50% off. That's reducing stress already. Plus, collect 10 nights and you'll get one night free. And there's no cancellation charges, no change fees. For the best deals, even last-minute deals, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Hotels.com. Music, information, and friends. HealthyLife.net. Everybody, we're so glad you're here, and I know you're listening quite intently. Our synchronicities, those symbols that come in our dreams, those happenings that aren't 
not, they are not a coincidence. You know what? You can feel it. You want to know what they mean. How to turn them into practical, important parts of our lives. Oh, my gosh, we don't want to miss that. And yet there it goes, sort of like vapor. Well, um, coming to our rescue today, Robert Moss, he's written a book for us to help us do just that called Sidewalk Oracles, Playing with the Signs, Symbols, and Synchronicity in Everyday Life. Um, Robert, during the break we were talking just a little bit about uh, where you're from, from where you hail, and it was making me think about how we are all interested all over the globe uh, in these signs and symbols. This is not uh, a New Age kind of thing, and and it's not um, characteristic of the United States or California, which is where we mostly get credited with this kind of thinking. This This is a universal language, yes? Yeah, I love California, but it did not it did not invent everything good. <laughs> We're talking here about something that is not emphatically not New Age. It's Paleolithic or earlier. Humans have always, humans who are alive and alert in the world, have always listened to the land, to the speaking land, as I quoted the ancient Aboriginal tradition of calling it. Uh, they've always paid attention to dreams. They've also, always paid attention to signs and symbols around them. They've always recognized the animate life of nature as a source of wisdom on all sorts of things. So to the extent that we are out of touch with that, we're out of touch with something fundamental to the human experience of being in the world. And that's disturbing because it adds to our divorce from the world of nature, our divorce from our sense of connection and obligation to the the earth we inhabit. And it's problematic. But as I say, reopening to this it can happen in a moment. It can happen on a grid, in the most gritty urban street or in the park or on the beach. The moment you say to yourself, hey, I'm open to what the world is, is teaching me right now. I'm going to receive the first impression, the first thing that pops up in my field of perception as a direct message to me from the universe. Mm-hmm. And you can make this a focused game to receive guidance on an issue on your mind. I mean, I call this playing sidewalk tarot. I call that because I'm being deliberately very down market, very everyday, you really can do this anywhere in a crowded, busy, hectic, urban life. And, and, and shall I talk about some Absolutely. of these games? Maybe give you an ex- well, let me give you an example, because I like to teach by examples, and then we can, then we can unfold the technique. So let me give you an example of how this works in a very, uh, on a very unromantic, gray morning in a small city in upstate New York. I'm walking my funny little dog. He's a 20-pound miniature schnauzer called Oscar. He's very cute and quite harmless. I'm walking my little dog up to the park. Now, I have a question on my mind. I need, I need clarity on whether I can really handle two projects I've committed to for the, for, the, for the coming season. And they both require time and energy, and they're probably mutually competitive, and I'm beginning to feel a little uneasy. So that's in my mind. How do I handle these two projects? So here I am with my little dog, Oscar. Big guy I don't know gets out of a big truck with a big box of stuff on his shoulders. He looks at me, looks at the dog stands stock still and says in a booming voice, well now, he can't kill both of us at once, can he? And, I mean, I'm stunned. I mean, like, it's <laughs> for a moment as I go on up the street. I think, what is this joker telling me? And I suddenly get it. This joker is telling me I can't handle the two projects at once. The dog can't uh, take on two people at once. I can't take on the two projects. So I've got guidance on an issue. <laughs> but it gets even better, Marianne. I, I know it's now my, t- now, now my time to call the man I'm about to disappoint. I'm about to tell him I have to back out of a commitment. He's not going to be happy. And he's not happy. I'm on the phone with him and hour later. He is not happy at all. Then I say, look, let me explain the point of decision. 
the big guy who can't kill both of us at once and the cute little dog. The guy at the end of the phone bursts into laughter. He says, oh, Robert, I really can get this. It's synchronicity. Just struck like that. Of course you had to make your choice, and I understand no hard feelings. So notice the wisdom in the everyday seemingly trivial oh, episodes. The joker on the street gave me a decision on an important issue and a human, humorous way to relate that decision. Yes, and another element that you're bringing up that I'd, I'd love to point to is the, the element of trust, trusting in the process. And so often we are frightened to uh, listen because of uh, the trust issue. What do you think about that? Well, you know, I have a healthy skeptic in my left brain. We all need one. I want to test and verify in the traditions that I study and in the way I practice these things. You judge by results. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you're going to turn something into a personal omen, and by the way, I recommend developing personal omens. I write this chapter about that in the book. I write about how the red-tailed hawk, for me, is a good omen if the hawk's in good condition. Having a nice dinner on roadkill or something else like that, <laughs> that's a good omen for me. But it's, but it's not, but it's, ju it's just claptrap and superstition if you just tell yourself such and such means such and such without testing and verifying. It's the same thing with dream work. You need to develop your, an understanding of your personal symbols. So part of my approach, whether we're talking about signs and symbols in everyday life or whether we're talking about dreams, is to encourage people to become their own interpreters, to become author of meaning for their own lives. And if you want to know what something means in terms of its practical application to your day or your life, look at the results. Look at what follows this episode. Don't say that this means such and such until you see what follows it. That's the way you develop a personal vocabulary of omens and symbols, and I recommend doing it. In the case of the big guy and the funny remark about the little dog. I mean, the application is immediate and it's instant. I mean, that in itself, that one story is amazingly practical, simple and focused uh, confirmation that this approach works, that, that, that being open to getting messages from the world in this way really works for the most practical results. So in terms of hearing or seeing or feeling these messages, are in your, in your experience, are they always so clear? Because for me, they, they haven't been. Sometimes they seem convoluted, and if I don't have the training, it's going to be hard to pick out that, uh, the measure of meaning and, and what to choose from. Well, then they're not necessarily all that clear, and they're not necessarily all that important, but there are moments when what comes up seems custom, measured, custom, tailored for you. I mean, absolutely produce a special production turned on for you. I mean, it, I could give you examples of just how extraordinary that can be, and that's when you feel that the delightful sense that you're not alone in the universe, that you're in a conscious universe where not everything is out to get you. Some things are out to give you specific and clear guidance. I think in terms of the way synchronicity operates, it is actually rather similar to the way that dreams speak to us. We need to develop a personal vocabulary of understanding. We need to develop our sense of what our personal symbols mean. We need to develop what the Greeks called a talent for resemblances, noticing one thing that re resembles another thing and gaining and benefiting from that. And we need to be open and available to experience and not just sheltering ourselves and closed up tight so that we won't receive something new. For going around in headphone land on schedules all the time, we'll miss a lot of this. Some of it will still come through to us. Uh, maybe it'll come through, come through Facebook tarot, maybe rather than sidewalk tarot or the odd pop-up in the email. Well, some of it will still come through. But if you're going around with a pattern of defensiveness and scheduling and, 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 and agendas and uh, closed, off, closed, off, closed offness, 
you're going to miss a lot of the right. fun and the magic. So I'm going to give you an example, and uh, let's just sort of break this apart or unpack this for a moment. I have a friend. Her mother has passed. She had an experience where she found a penny and had a sense that her mother was present somehow for her. So what she did was there was something that occurred afterwards um, where she remembered she was thinking about her mom and had a question about something in her life. So for this woman, the penny started to become a symbol for her in, in her own, what you call the, the personal um, authors of meaning, right? Develop your own um, idea of, of uh, your library of meaning. And then, you know, for the next 10 years, when she finds a penny, she's often thinking about her mother or, or seeking some kind of an answer. Is this what you mean by, by um, developing these? A- absol- absolutely. And she's following in a wonderful old tradition of understanding. You know the phrase, pennies from heaven? Do you know that phrase? Mm-hmm. We, we get it from the old belief that when you find a penny like that, it might be someone on the other side of death that's sending a message to you. That's where the phrase comes mm-hmm. from. I mean, as long as we've had coins, people have looked at sound money with some interest of this kind. And uh, you remember the Patrick Swayze character in the old movie, oh, Ghost, yes, who's trying to persuade his beloved that he's still alive somewhere else and she doesn't get it. So he makes a penny move up the side of a doorframe. I mean, that's that, the pushing the penny. There's, they're pushing, there's, they're, there's pushing the penny as well as the penny dropping. So, so the, the, yes, your, your, friend, your, friend's, your friend's alertness to the possibility that a mother or someone else who's alive on the other side of the death that might, might be available, might even have arranged the signal. That's an example of a personal symbol or a personal omen that for her seems to be working. It's always appropriate to think about the condition of people on the other side of death who are alive somewhere else and are trying to get through to us in various ways. Right. Let's just pause for a moment on the point about, you've made it a little bit earlier, about um, tricking yourself, how we want to ascribe meaning to something. really uh, doesn't belong there. When we get back after the break, we'll talk more about that. Right here on Marion Live with Robert Moss, Sidewalk Oracles is the title of his new book, Playing with Signs, Symbols, and Synchronicity in Ordinary Life. We're also going to talk with uh, Robert about walking a dream and, and dream work, interpreting those symbols, and we'll get back right after these messages. of seeing everyone around me partnered but not me I'm pretty and smart so why can't I find someone I'm tired of being the single girl at the party and going home alone I'm lonely and depressed and feel like there's something wrong with me that was me venting now I have completely changed my perspective to love and dating after I have discovered the book sexy secrets to a juicy love life Proven tips successful women use that help them avoid frustration, unhappiness, and the worry they'll be alone forever. Soulmate expert Lori Abella, together with 29 other experts, reveals sexy secrets to a juicy love life. This is the book that you've been waiting for to end your singlehood. Order your copy of Sexy Secrets to a Juicy Love Life, available at Amazon.com now. And say goodbye to singlehood. Shh, over here. Here's a secret for a virus-free computer. ESET. 
They've been a pioneer in the antivirus industry for over 25 years. 25 years of innovative, top-rated antivirus protection. ESET's award-winning security solutions provide a safe online experience for over 100 million home and business computer owners. They are so affordable, fast, and simple to use. So be gone, you blue screen of death. ESET's on my computer. If it's not on yours, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on ESET now. More exhilarating talk. HealthyLife.net. Welcome back to Mary Ann Live. We're so glad you're here. I know you love the synchronicity. It's one of your favorite words. We've gotten emails from loads of you. And uh, it's a very popular notion, this idea that life is talking to us. But how do we interpret these signs and symbols? Well, lucky for us, Robert Moss is joining us today. He's written a book about it, how we do it. He even has games for us to play. Um, right before we went to break with Robert, we were talking a little bit about what happens when we trick ourselves, Robert, where we are really trying to listen, but the message we get, we sort of interpret and bend it to our own um, favor? Yeah, I mean, monitoring synchronicity is one of your ways of waking up to the operations of projection, which is related but is more problematic. Projection is when we we find a mirror of ourselves in the world around us and really can't see anything beyond that mirror, and we, and we project thoughts and feelings and that personality aspect onto other people and all the rest of it. This is inevitable. It's part of human interaction both with other people and with the world around us, an element of projection. But you want to be available for something more than just walking around in a box of mirrors around yourself just giving you back exactly what you are. The way to break free of this negative kind of projection, a limited kind of projection, is to recognize, yes, there is magnetism. There is projection. What I'm thinking or feeling does help to produce things around me, and let's see how that's working out, because, you know, you'll, you'll discover it for a certain, after a certain time of self self uh, self-observation here, that your attitude, whatever you do in life, is always going ahead of you, shaping the events and encounters that lie around the next corner. So the positive spin here is start, check, check your attitude and note if things are going wrong in your life, ask yourself whether that could possibly be related to the attitudes and expectations that you're carrying, and if so, see if you can find ways to change and reweave those attitudes and expectations. The, as Mr. Jung said, the real is what works. At the end of the analysis, any approach we're discussing has to work for your life and support your life. So you're always going to judge by results. Beautiful. So uh, let's play another game real quick, another tool for folks. What's another one of your favorites? Well, I start the day by walking my dreams. I mean, this, of course, assumes that you remember something from the night. Lots of people are going through a prolonged dream drought in our culture, partly because we don't make time and we have not had practice of rewarding and encouraging each other to tell our dreams. By the way, I've invented such a practice. It's called the lightning dream work game. And you can find that in, in other of my books. You can find it in the three only things in active dreaming. But in Sidewalk Oracles, you'll find a version of it which will help you to tell any story any time. So when you remember, so walking a dream means when you remember something from the night, uh, you'll jot it down and you'll note your first feelings and you'll do a few other things with it perhaps. But then you'll just walk it. You're, Jung talked about circumambulating, walking around and around an image or a symbol or a dream until something surfaced. 
you'll walk around with the dream in your mind and you'll see how the dream maybe illuminates things around you, casts a certain light on things that you notice, like a flashlight will bring certain things into perspective, and how the world around you, in a sense, will be commenting on your dream. I mean, for example, I had a very moving, very deep dream of a situation in World War II involving the life of a Royal Air Force pilot and his love affair with a nurse, you know, under the conditions of, of that horrible war. And I'm thinking about the dream, and the first thing I see is an unfamiliar car on my block which belongs to a registered nurse. It's a small thing, but, and maybe I wouldn't have noticed it if the dream hadn't been casting the flashlight. But in that moment, I ceased to have any doubt about that, my experience in that dream of that romance under, under, the, under, under the cloud cover of war with that nurse in World War II was a real experience. I mean, for me, that was confirmation. So sometimes the world will give you a second opinion on your dream. Sometimes the world will start interpreting your dream for you, unfolding its meaning. And sometimes, as I say, the interaction between the imagery and symbols you're carrying with, with, with your dream and the world around you will just be delightful for its own sake. Let, let's move to another game which I've, which I've illustrated already but, but haven't commented on as a game in itself. And let me go classical for a moment. In ancient Greece, which had many oracles, one of the favorite everyday oracles was what the Greeks called listening for a kledon, K-L-E-D-O-N. Now, a kledon is sounds like conversation or maybe the cry of a bird coming out of silence or out of the formless hubbub of, of, a, of a social or mass situation. I talked about the big guy saying he can't kill both of us at once, can he? Uh, earlier as giving me guidance on something. That's an example of a cladon. Those are words coming out of silence. They're unexpected. They're a message for the day. So one of my everyday synchronicity games is to notice the first phrase, the first a snatch burst of music. Maybe it might be a bit of a song coming from someone's car radio or from someone's uh, headphones, maybe. Um, that, that will give me message for the day. Not long ago, I'm walking my dog again in the park, and I'm wondering whether to revive a workshop that I used to lead called Dreaming a Life with Heart. It's got a rather beautiful write-up, and I hadn't used that description for a while. I'm thinking about that, and a woman comes walking briskly towards me uh, along the path by the lake in the park, and she's saying quite loudly into her cell phone to someone who I presume is a client. I'm guessing she's a therapist. I don't know what she's saying. You can't heal, heal the body without going to the heart. Life must have taught that to you. So I got my message about whether I should revive the workshop uh, uh, Dreaming a Life with Heart, right? I love it. So that's pretty direct. Oh, that's very direct. And, you know, uh, songs in, in the head, little wormholes, we, we call them, right? Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's a message. Well, we, we've, we've got to look inside as well as outside in all of this. The two things are inextricably interwoven. There's no inside and outside that's absolutely separate from each other. So one of the things I encourage people to do on an everyday basis is check your inner soundtrack. Now, this includes what might be playing in your mind when you first surface into the day from a night of dreams or a night of whatever, what's playing in your head. And pause during the day to consider what's playing inside your head. Okay, you might be surrounded by music or noise. Shut that out for a moment. See what is actually playing inside your head when you listen, when you listen simply to your inner soundtrack. That can be incredibly revealing. And sometimes one of the things it reveals is you need, you need to change the channel. You need to change the, the station. I mean, stop. Stop playing that. Stop repeating that. Stop letting that such and such that was said to you by so and so play over again and again in your mind. And sometimes it can be affirming and uplifting. So that's the game too. Checking your inner soundtrack. So fun and so meaningful. I mean, anybody who's tapping in has a sense of, as you said earlier in the program, being connected 
to the ancient, to the all that is. And who doesn't want to live like that? I mean, it's really, uh, it's the good stuff, as they say, Robert. Robert Moss is in the house. Sidewalk Oracles is the title of his new book, Playing with Signs, Symbols, and Synchronicity in Order. You come back after the break. We're going to talk about other planes of existence and maybe even aeroplanes right here on Marianne Live. Don't touch that dial. We're going to be right back right here in just a minute. I'm sick of seeing everyone around me partnered, but not me. I'm pretty and smart. So why can't I find someone? I'm tired of being the single girl at the party and going home alone. I'm lonely and depressed and feel like there's something wrong with me. That was me venting. Now I have completely changed my perspective to love and dating after I have discovered the book Sexy Secrets to a Juicy Love Life. Proven tips successful women use that help them avoid frustration, unhappiness and the worry they'll be alone forever. Soulmate expert Lori Abella, together with 29 other experts, reveals sexy secrets to a juicy love life. This is the book that you've been waiting for to end your singlehood. Order your copy of Sexy Secrets to a Juicy Love Life, available at Amazon.com now. And say goodbye to singlehood. MarianneLive.com is where you can go to keep up to date with what and where relationship expert, author, and radio host Marianne Camarado is appearing next. Besides Marianne's three radio shows weekdays on HealthyLife.net, you can find out details about upcoming or ongoing seminars and workshops. How about information for ordering copies of books or DVDs? That's also available at MarianneLive.com. Find out about core certification, certificate of responsible relationships, www.marianlive.com, core certification, learning tools to attract, build, and sustain great relationships. Also sign up for Marianne's newsletter to be informed about upcoming events and possible workshops or speaking engagements in the Northern California area, www.marianlive.com. What does HealthyLife.net and Amazon.com have in common? Well, they're both available on the Internet. They both give great value. But most important, most of our positive program hosts and guests are accomplished authors. And their books are available from, you got it, Amazon.com. Now it even gets better than that. Because when you're listening on air to a HealthyLife.net host or guest, you can go directly to Amazon.com and you can order your book while you're still listening to your favorite HealthyLife.net program. So when you hear an author you like, go to the homepage of HealthyLife.net and click on Amazon.com. HealthyLife.net, the positive radio network. All right, everybody, welcome back. We are coming to the top of our hour here with Robert Moss, who's joining us talking about his new book, Sidewalk Oracles. Uh, Robert, we were talking during the break about forgetting, going back to sleep, getting, uh, I, I don't know, falling off our horse or, or off the path. And, and it felt important to share that with folks. Why, why is it that when we are connected and we have uh, good results, practical results of living connected this way, do, do we fall asleep? Well, we are forgetful animals. It's a definition of the human condition. We forget, we remember, we remember, we forget. When I was a boy in Australia, one of my invisible companions who spoke to me in the difficult Greek of the Neoplatonist philosophers taught me that all knowledge that matters is the result of anamnesis. You'll find that word in an English dictionary. It's not a household word. It means remembering. In Greek philosophy, anamnesis means in particular remembering the things that belong to you on the level of soul or mind. 
beyond this world and before you come into your present life. So I've always understood that that's what it's about, that the forgetting begins when you come down the birth canal that continues as mm. the adult mm. world is in childhood, yes. trains us often to stunt our imaginations and fit in with, uh, with the other people's definitions of what life is about, and it continues as through life we make compromises and uh, give up on our, our best dreams and, and fall into daily practice, which does not include using these simple and wonderful yep. and powerful things like dreams and the symbolic pop-ups around us. It's so easy. Yep. It's there for you. It if you is. don't dream, you're not, you're not human. And the world is speaking to you all the time. So it's not really a profound study to get started on this. It's a profound practice to start to, to go back to it and continue. So thank you for that. Let's talk a little bit about it when spirits uh, begin to mediate or show up. For example, you're having a uh, a real life, real time visitor. Uh, so your chain, uh, your plane changes. Uh, you are redirected. It is undeniable. Uh, you you have a, a someone from uh, someone who passed away shows up at your bedside. Things like this. How do you explain this phenomenon? Well, you're, you're listing a lot of very interesting examples of how the deeper reality manifests to us. I mean, some of your examples involve the operations of that figure that I call the trickster, the archetype of the trickster. Uh, the trickster has many personifications in human folklore and mythology and in the animal world. My favorite person personification of the trickster is the fox. Uh, for many, no, many, many North Americans, it's the coyote or, or the raven. These are all well-known forms of the trickster. The trickster is that archetype, that energy at play in life which makes sure that you will never get too set in your ways. The trickster comes into operation when you think you're following a plan, but something wants to trip you up and make you look at something different. The trickster is a sort of personal devil when you're absolutely committed in type A personality disorder style to remain bent on that plan, bent on that schedule. The trickster comes into play as your friend and ally, although can never be entirely trustworthy, when you're willing to be spontaneous, to turn on a dime, to take advantage of an apparent setback. For example, I spend a lot of time on planes. I teach lots of workshops or play shops all over the world, and I often get into a pattern of delays, missed connections, encounters with strangers under odd circumstances. I will say this, Marianne, whenever my planes come, whenever my plans and my planes come awry, notice the slip, whenever I've missed the connection or I'm held up and, and mooning around the, the, the airport terminal, my sense of opportunity comes alive. All my antennas start quivering because I know the trick is in play at that moment and is likely, if I'll keep my sense of humor, to arrange an absolutely unlikely but often wonderful encounter and at the very least to deliver me an entertaining story I can tell about this episode afterwards. <laughs> and this happens again and again and again. That is actually part of the trickster's role in my life and maybe in other people's if they only recognize you're going to get a good story out of this. This will have entertainment value. Mm, indeed. Um, we're coming up to the top of the hour. Robert Moss has been with us this hour. Sidewalk Oracles is the title of his new book, Playing with Signs, Symbols, and Synchronicity in Ordinary Life. His website is mossdreams.com, M-O-S-S, dreams.com. Robert, you're, you're teaching all over the world. How do we find out more about your teaching and your offers? Well, people can get started with my website, mossdreams.com. I must mention I'm just about to launch a new online course for the Shift Network. I'm very excited about that. That will start in December 10th, and you'll see a link to that on my website. And as they say, you can find me on Facebook. Beautiful. Uh, we are coming up to the top of the hour, Robert. What do you want to leave us with today? 
Well, don't leave home without your sense of humor. <laughs> That's the first thing. I mean, a lot of this book is about travel in life, so don't leave your sense of humor at home. Remember that the time is always now, and notice that the land, the world around you, is speaking to you in many voices if you're just willing to pay attention. Mm, beautiful. Thank you so much for your time, for your attention, for your years of uh, study offering us uh, this wisdom in this delightful new book, Sidewalk Oracles. We're so glad you could join us today. Thank you, Marianne. Here's a dreamer's wish for you and your listeners. May your best dreams come true, and may you remember them. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you again, Robert Moss, right here on Marianne Live, everybody. Uh, welcome back anytime, Robert. Uh, we'll we'll uh, be happy to find out what next book you've got up your sleeve. Anything you want to give us a peek into? Okay, Robert's gone. And uh, everybody sit tight. We're coming up to the top of the hour here in just a minute. When we come back after the break, I'm going to tell you who we've got on deck. In the meantime, let's do the third part of our practice together, um, which is doing something for someone else, not letting them know that you've done it because it feels so good when we do. Um, that could look like bringing back somebody's shopping cart, that might be letting somebody go ahead of you in line. That might be letting somebody cut you off during traffic. Boy, this time of year, it's not easy to find the space to be inclusive. We tighten up often. Um, we're overwhelmed, and it seems that our generous heart is not so accessible. But here's the secret, the part that I love. It feels so good when we do it. And it's really fun when other people don't know when other people, and like that, it's plural. You can uh, feel the, the call in that. This doesn't need to be a one-time deal. We can feel um, how good it feels when we are offering uh, our hearts, extending ourselves to other people. And in terms of the energetics, they, they really do spread throughout the world, and we can make it a better place for us all to be. Um, there are tons of ways, uh, especially this holiday season, where we can participate. Not necessarily that people won't know, but uh, ways that we can make a difference, small and large, uh, by being part of our local community, which, which often people ask during this time of year, how can I participate, how can I uh, fit in to the, the already existing uh, seemingly masses of people that are doing charity and philanthropic work. Not to worry. You can go online right now at the uh, snap of your fingers and find a myriad of organizations available for you to participate. Uh, food drives, uh, the, the local grocery store level, there are, are many, many opportunities for you to uh, participate in that way as well. Um, yeah. Uh, easy thing to do, uh, and again, it makes you feel so good about who you are uh, and being part uh, of uh, the holiday season in this way. We play any of Robert Moss's games yourself uh, during that time. Follow the breadcrumbs that uh, the holiday spirit brings for you. We're going to go to break right now. We're going to be right back right here on Marion Life for our wrap right after these messages. Back in just a minute. Bye. 
everybody. I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host, Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Raynaud. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. I mean, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce? Yet, we spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, the Great Relationship Begin Within Self-Inquiry Divination Deck, because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Lide and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. To be a good father is the most important job in a man's life. But it doesn't have to be hard. Play catch. Go to a park or visit a zoo. Help your child with their homework. Sit down together for dinner. Ask them how their day was. Things get busy, and sometimes we all fall short. But the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at one 877 dad or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Where can I contain all of my stuff? Hmm, how about this? The Container Store, the original storage and organization store. And I found their link on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. They have containers for everything, including the kitchen, the bathroom, trash and recycling, traveling, spring cleaning, and dorm rooms. Just about everything you can think of to contain your stuff. The Container Store, right on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. HealthyLife.net, where positive overcomes negative. everybody. We're so glad that we got to talk about my favorite subject, and I know it's yours. A ton of you out there love to talk about synchronicity, signs, symbols, dreams, and in everyday life, how do we translate that? Well, we're grateful. Robert Moss is here to help us do that. He's written a book, Sidewalk Oracles, is what we were talking about this hour. Check him out, mossdreams.com for more information. And tune in next time right here on Marianne Live, A Woman Unto Herself. Oh, my. A psycho spiritual erotic memoir <laughs> yeah we're talking about it here on Marian live it's a different kind of love story you're gonna love it we'll see you next time we wish you every blessing until then check us out at marianlive.com for more information